Hook 'em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Man, what a great uh, 9 o'clock hour. It wrapped up with Chris Rock. It started with Nick Shuley and the live music update. And in that conversation, we were talking about top five Austin, all-time Austin bands. And said, uh, somebody said, don't forget Lost Lonely Boys. That's a good one. That's a good I one. I like that name. Lost Lonely Boys. They're Los legends. Lonely. Los, Los Lonely Boys. Lonely. I thought it was Lost. Los, Los Lonely, Lonely Boys. Yeah, they are legendary. And uh, this guy is, too, Gary Clark Jr., Mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, we had Soul Hat. That was the discussion from last hour. Uh, also, we've had uh, number eight in our countdown: the USC Fighting Trojans. Guy said, uh, "No, people do not like Lincoln Riley around here." <laughs> so, somebody said, <laughs> "We got a lot of texts about hell no. We still hate Lincoln Riley. So no, don't this, you guys be praising him too much. We this, get it." This guy said, "My middle finger couldn't go up fast enough when exactly. I heard." When I heard that entitled children's song. <laughs> so I get it. Still some uh, vitriol for one Lincoln Raleigh. Understood. But, guys, I know you guys don't like him. You don't have to. But, come on. Saying that he's, he's overrated. Uh, come on. Uh, he's pretty good at what he does. <laughs> right? He's at how many Heisman finalists already? How many Heisman finalists have you had? Four? Lincoln Riley Heisman finalist trip to he you know he won it last year he won he it with Baker four Mayfield Heisman finalists and and I think I, I think my my memory is like Lincoln Riley went to New York with Baker Mayfield two other times That's before he won it exactly so and then he's had mo- now you got multiple number one overall picks too come on guys uh, I can't say he's overrated I, you know I guess he's a top five coach in, in college a, football and he's certainly one of the great offensive minds in the sport yeah. uh, in the game so I mean, we, we're not trying to you know we're not trying to make this a show where we're praising Lincoln Riley we're we're covering USC because USC is the next team on our count our countdown on yeah. the E and Rod B uh, countdown preseason countdown that's why so not just say love fest for Lincoln yeah. there you go. <laughs> Uh, Storyville was mentioned. Also, gosh, Stevie Ray Vaughan for sure would also be on this list of. Uh, Are we talking about Axe period bands? Axe bands. Okay, all right. And uh, certainly of recent vintage, but uh, yeah, Stevie Ray, uh, the best. Mm-hmm. He's got a statue. Where, do, where can I find? He's got a statue. When is Vy going to get his statue? Speaking, of, are we talking about ten days? Um, when is Vy getting the statue? When does Vy get his statue? That is. Does absolutely Vy have a statue? He doesn't have a statue. When does he get his statue? He needs a statue. Okay, Ricky's um, got a statue, but as a Heisman, Ricky and Earl Heisman statues. Does VY get a statue? He, need, he gets a statue. He gets a statue, even though he well, has no Heisman. No, well, yeah, you got to win the National Player of the. But he didn't. He, he win like the Maxwell. He won one of those. Yeah, he definitely won he one. He won of those. the Maxwell. Yeah, he won. A, he won a national award. There's no doubt. I'm just saying, what is the criteria for statue for you know to get a statue? Um, can we for ask like, the, the Folger family? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they, hey, they might, they're definitely the people to ask. Hey, hey, listen, CDC, you just got a new seven year extension. Uh, the Folger family just I, gave a $10 million endowment mm-hmm. that is in the name of the athletics director. And it says it is the, uh, the, the idea of the endowment is to provide perpetual flexible funding. Uh, for non-salaried strategic use, empowering an athletics director to launch new initiatives, enhance the excellence of Texas athletics for years to come. Lois and Richard. Statue. Shout out to Lois and Richard. Statue. Yeah. Statue. Yeah. <laughs> Statue. Statue for VY. Yeah. Can we I, do that? I, I just, it's taking a while. I wonder when it's coming and where is it? Where are they going to put it? Uh, got to put it like the north end zone somewhere. Well, no, they got the... So in uh, mm. 2005, Vince Young did win the Maxwell Award. Okay, so he's... He, which goes to college football's player of the year, as judged by... Sportscasters, sports writers, and national head coaches. So okay. There you go. So I, yeah, I haven't heard any talk about a statue though. So 
Mm, what the? I'll let you know. I think that because there are three of them now on like by the football stadium, right? You got Earl, you got Ricky, and I believe that Julius Whittier has a. Yeah. Then Julius does. Whittier have like a statue. I don't know how big it is, but I believe there's one there too. Does Derek Derek K. Roy has a statue? Derek K. Roy does he? Yeah, DKR. DKR has a statue. We need a Vince Young statue. Though. It's definitely a DKR statue over it's there. It's been uh, maybe they'll do it in twenty twenty five because that's the twentieth anniversary of the. Okay. National championship. I think it season. should be of him with his backwards hat holding up the national championship. Yeah. The Austin, Texas, baby. That moment. <laughs> Honestly, that would fit. That'd be pretty cool. They got to make it look better than the Baker Mayfield statue that looks terrible at Oklahoma. Remember seeing that thing? That, that looks yeah. terrible. That abomination. Doesn't you could even good. incorporate the confetti somehow. I don't know. That's oh, my, I got some ideas. Give me, give me up. Give me up. <laughs> oh, you know, but you can do that these days. You just got to do like a hologram stuff. Maybe we could do a really like technologically advanced statue where we got some holographic stuff behind it or over it. Coming out of the ground. Boom. The lights Come coming, yeah. yeah. Come on, Ty. There we go. We can work on this thing. I'm in. I think you guys have got something going there. We're cooking. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, yeah, you got multiple statues. V.Y. deserves one. We'll see when he gets that statue. Oops. Yeah, someone said he had off-the-field issues. Yeah, but, yeah. He yeah. still can get it. I mean, Ricky Williams had off-the-field issues, <laughs> and that, the, dang, the, the, the dang fields I named after him. That is very true. Ricky did have some off-the-field issues. But, hey, it's about redemption. These other stories about redemption. We all fall short, but got to come back stronger. That's okay. I'm all looking right. at Heisman finalists. So in 2016, Lamar Jackson won it. But yes, Baker Mayfield was a finalist. In 2017, Baker Mayfield won it. Then Kyler Murray won it. <laughs> Joe Burrow won it in 19, but Jalen Hurts, Hurts was a finalist. <laughs> Devontae Smith won it, but there was no Oklahoma quarterback there. Okay, there you go. Bryce Young won it, but... Uh, so he went two years without. That was Spencer years. Rattler years. Those were Spencer Rattler years <laughs> came back to him, maybe. Well, <laughs> and maybe I'm, because it, it could be because it, this is it, it's uh, top three. That's all I have here. I don't have. Okay. Sometimes there's well, four or five finals. Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's true. But that, those Spencer Rattler years came back to haunt him. Yeah. Because he didn't. Spencer Rattler did not reach his ceiling as a player, and the rest of them did. Happens. Yeah. I think that would. Yeah. I think history would have to tell you that was more on Spencer Rattler than Lincoln Riley. <laughs> yes, exactly. It seems like that's a Spencer Rattler problem, well, not a Lincoln Riley. Well, we were problem. talking earlier about the Caleb Williams. Uh, conversation because when he came in the game against Texas and everyone, he burst on the scene that year and helped them right their ship. Remember, they were a sinking ship at that time. Mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler, that was a year that they started the year like number one, right? Or they were I think r- you're right about ranked. that. They were really, yeah. And the, the word on in Norman was that everybody on campus hated him. Which like was the, the so students didn't like students him. didn't like. Him. Well, we found that out because they cheered. Remember when they put yes. Caleb Williams in? They're like, yeah, get him out. Like, like it turned out he wasn't <laughs> playing good football, but also he was a real ass to everybody. On well, campus. remember he was in that reality TV show. Oh. Um, what, what was it? You probably know this type. You probably watched it. It was like about young quarterback prospects going into college, and he was on that show, and he was in. For my heard an a hole on the show. All American, something no. like that. It's something like that. I and know what you're talking. about. You know what I'm talking about. about? Yeah. And then I think from that point on, he he earned kind of a, a reputation. People didn't like him. They didn't like the way he came across on the show. Yeah. And I think that was a big part. Well, of, and just yeah. apparently, uh, just on campus, like people just didn't like. Well, guy. yeah, you want you, you got to be accessible. You walk yeah. around camp, you're Sam Ellinger, you're the starting quarterback at Texas. Hey, man, people don't come up to you. He was a little too accessible. You might be right about his early days. That's true. Good point, (laughs) Sam. Yeah, I can see that. But Sam, that was his dream, though, right? He always wanted to be the starting quarterback at Texas. So he was like, "I'm living my dream." Yeah, he's living out his dream right there. Spencer Rattler, I guess it's possible that yeah, he just didn't want to be bothered, and it's like, no, you're the starting quarterback at a Power Five program. People want to come up to you. You're gonna have to be gracious. You gotta be an a hole. Super cocky. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, he just acted bigger than. And it's your it's your peers, man. These are your your students. You're. 
you're all class, you're all classmates. Oh yeah. And, and when the when the, mm-hmm. the student section turns on you, that's a problem. Yeah, you got you got some issues. Oh yeah, it said it said uh the final season at Pinnacle Rattler starred in Peter Berg directed Netflix documentary QB One. Yeah, QB One. QB One Beyond the Lights, and apparently that was I don't know where he got he got some some haters from mm-hmm. watching him on that. Well, that's uh. That's that's it's gonna be interesting to see yes. with Thank uh, you, Lincoln Texas. Riley this year. They Thank can, you, Texas. They're gonna try to go get back to the national championship. And it would be, by the way, quite honestly, it would be good for college football to have USC back among the top. And Texas. And te- well, Texas <laughs> All those for brands, sure. Yeah. But but the 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 the, the, the 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 sport needs a West Coast a West Coast presence. They, right. they, I mean, it's just become so southeastern dominant and southeastern regional uh, that it needs that. Um, you know, the, yeah, the, you're right. And as we talked about, you know, because in this week, or since last Friday, we've had three Pac-12 teams. We had Washington, Utah, and now USC, and it is the the conference of quarterbacks. I mean, some of now the best is, football yeah. for this year, yeah. unfortunately in their last year as a conference, they're, they're the best group of quarterbacks in, in all of college football, and they're going to play some really exciting games this year. I mean, they'll... You know, when was the last time you said, man, the USC, I mean, the, the West Coast has some must-see games this year. I got to see that USC-Oregon game. I need to see that Washington game. The Washington USC. game was going to be good, too. Yeah, yeah man. You got Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. You're yeah. talking about Caleb Williams. I mean, they are they got a lot of good quarterback play there. We, yeah, we, yeah we, I mean, there's some other quarterbacks, too, that I think Cameron Rise is another guy, too. Yeah. It's definitely the best quarterback conference in the country. And if you got the best quarterback conference in the country, you're going to have some great shootouts. That yeah. you're expecting in the in the Pac-12, and strangely enough, the Big Ten acquisitions of the the Pac-12 schools. Now I'm talking about in the future. You know, Big Ten has a reputation for plotting football, like old school, antiquated offense. Think about the schools they're bringing in. You're bringing in Lincoln Riley and USC. You're bringing in Washington with uh, Kalen uh, DeBoer, the uh, the offensive mind there, who's like who's got them. And that offense is one of the most prolific offenses and one of the best passing games in the country. You have a Chip Kelly. Who's known, you know, far and wide as being a really good offensive mind too. You're bringing in some really high uh, caliber, uh, you know, prolific offenses and institutions and systems that are known for being uh, really, really, you know, prolific offensive systems. And that is something that the Big Ten hasn't had. I mean, Ohio State is known as being the one really outstanding yes, Urban Meyer offense, and then Ryan Day is taking yeah. them to a next level. But for the offensive. most part, Michigan don't play that kind of football, no, and they're, they're a dominant team. So you're going to get some different culture of offense in the Big Ten in the future. It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, a different style. Yeah. And, you know, my dad would tell you, well, you know, Ron, when, when you play in the snow in November, you got to be able to run uh, the ball and play defense. You do. you got to yeah, be able to run the ball. you got to build for your for your climate at some level. But, you know, try that USC stuff at uh, when it's snowing mm-hmm. in Columbus in November. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's true. It's a good point. Yeah. It's all about your environment where you where you play football. Well. Got to overcome that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look at this, like, think about this in the, in the Pac-12. Caleb Williams, the best quarterback. He might be the best quarterback in the country. Mm-hmm. Washington has Michael Penix. Yep. Utah has Cam Rising when he gets healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon has Bo Nix, who we just heard in the Heisman. He's in that conversation. DJU. DJ Uyunglele has been named the starter at Arizona State, and is barely. I mean, excuse me, at Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State, yeah. Apparently had a really good camp. Uh, Colorado has Shadur Sanders. Dion about Kidd, that. Good point. Who people think is on his way to play in the NFL, NFL yeah. down the road. So yeah, I mean that's. That's seven really good quarterbacks uh, that are. Top and I guarantee you, Chip Kelly. I don't know who his quarterback is. Because you one. see how Dorian Thompson is uh, Robinson is balling in the NFL right now in the yes. preseason. He gonna have exactly. He gonna have one. We don't know who he is, but Chip Kelly gonna have a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> and he might be pretty damn good in that system. Yeah. Well, Arizona brings back the, Del- the Jaden Delora. Uh, he's a really good player too. At twenty five touchdowns last year for for the Wildcats. He can also run. Wow. 
Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's good players in that conference. So, as a dying league as it is, it's going to be fun to see this year, without a doubt. Yep. Uh, looking forward to it. And, you know, if Quinn yours lives up to the hype, uh, Big 12 can have some pretty good quarterbacks this year. I mean, with Quinn and Will Howard, Will Howard returning to K-State, he's yeah. a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sonny Dykes typically develops a really good well, quarterback. And remember, you got Chandler Morris? Chandler Morris was the starter last year before he got hurt, and then Max Duggan. Right, is that it? Then you could never take him Did out. Did Chandler Morris originally, is he the one he that went to it. Oklahoma, right? Arkansas. Arkansas. Is that right? Is it Arkansas? No, he transferred from OU. Is, is, he's a Lincoln Riley guy. He's an OU. He's a Lincoln Riley guy originally. Mm-hmm. I think he transfer. is. That's, like, that's what we're going to talk about Lincoln Riley. That's why I made a connection. Yeah, he's originally a Lincoln Riley guy. Uh, it's the old Arkansas coach's son, though, right? Uh, old Arkansas coach's son. The, the guy that was a coach at. Uh, oh, Lake Travis. Lake Travis. Yes. Oh. Yeah, Coach yeah. Morris. Okay. Good point. Uh, which is Chandler Morris. Yeah, actually, I mean, great yeah, point. He was, I didn't he, think about that. Good job. Good job. He Tom. was Oklahoma. But yeah, so Lincoln Riley liked him at one point. And well, then, then Garrett Riley got him. Well, and then uh, <laughs> Dylan Gabriel's a pretty damn good quarterback. Oh, yeah. And that's the system. Kansas quarterback is yeah. really good. Jalen Daniels Jaylen is Daniels really, really good. good before he got hurt last year, he was probably one of the front runners for the Heisman last year before he got hurt. If you listen to uh, Joey McGuire, he says Tyler Shuck's going to play in the NFL, and he's he likes his quarterback room as much as anybody's. Uh, so that's a big-time player right there. UCF has a returning quarterback for Gus Malzahn. So, yeah, Blake Shapin is back. Um, for the for the Baylor Bears, so yeah, there's pretty good quarterbacks now. Shapin needs to be better, but your your top end pretty darn good in the Big Twelve too. Now Hunter Deckers was going to be the quarterback for Iowa State, and he gone. He go, oh man, he was he was the only quarterback last year that started and started every game. Yeah, for his team in the Big Twelve. Well, and Iowa State has become. I mean, Hunter Deckers. Did you see where the running back Jarrell Brock? Lost, I want to say they lost five starters to this gambling scandal. Well, in the most recent this week was Jarrell Brock, their starting running back. He's a good player. He gone. I know. I know. So was the, whole, was the whole damn team just gambling casually? I guess well, that, I, I, I the whole saw team that. was. Well, and then, yeah, at some point there got to be questions, hard questions of Matt Campbell because they weren't making real money with these bets. These are very casual bets. They they're not even betting like tie bets. They're like kind of casual well, you bets. You got to think. I mean, Matt Campbell was, was. I think he's a very good coach, but obviously something's going on there. And he talks about remember Brees Hall talking about five star culture over five star players. And yes, he did. We've got well. You also have a gambling culture. <laughs> you're right. You're a real game. Yeah, you need Phil Mickelson coming to speak to your, your your football team. Well, that book's out now, by the way. <laughs> that gambling book is out. Billy Walton, that's out uh, as of yesterday, I believe. It hit newsstands, or your ability to download it. So, yes, I mean, I mean, Iowa State is typically a tough team. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be a. They're going to be the the seller oh, of the Big Twelve this year, no question. Because that's just, I mean, they lost five stars. A program like that just is not equipped to no. have that kind of depth to lose multiple well, remember, starters and your starting quarterback. Yeah, Xavier Hutchinson's into the NFL with the Texans now. He was mm-hmm. your go-to receiver. Will Tex- McDonald. Will McDonald's in the that's NFL. A first round pick that Iowa State lost. Yeah, and that was that was the group that was supposed to replace Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and. Uh, all those dudes that, that are playing in the NFL now. So, yeah, Matt Campbell has built a good program, but it's falling apart. And I, it, it's hard to not remember that Matt Campbell turned down the Detroit Lions job. Yeah, I remember Dan Campbell joked. He said, I think they called the wrong Campbell, but I'll take it anyway. I'll take it anyhow. <laughs> yeah, Matt Campbell, great. at the height of his success at Iowa State, turned down a, a, a lucrative job with but the Detroit Lions. I think he also turned down some college jobs, he too. Did. He did. He thought he thought. I don't know. He thought that he would always be able to cash that lottery ticket, I guess, and that his his stock would stay high. Man, you gotta you gotta cash in uh, that lottery ticket when you got it, and he probably should have cashed that lottery ticket in. Well, the job that he wants is Ohio State, right? Because he grew up in in Ohio. He's an Ohio kid, but that he 
he's, it's going to be us because if, if Ryan Day gets punked by Michigan again this year and they don't live, you know, the the, the John Cooper comparisons will begin immediately. That's fair. Um, for Ryan Day because Urban Meyer and had so much success and owned Michigan. If Ryan Day gives that back, there all of a sudden the natives will be restless, but. Matt Campbell won't be a hot enough commodity. He's not an upgrade now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No. he's not an upgrade now. So I don't, I don't know. I feel bad for Matt Campbell. I just think he stayed a little too long. He stayed there a little too long. And there are certain jobs, and I'm not trying to disrespect Iowa State, but they're stepping stones if you're a coach, if you're trying to rise up the ranks. And he probably should have, right when Brock Purdy and all of them left. Follow him out. He, he should have followed that well, group right that on was, out. That was when the Lions came calling. Yeah, that's, I think it, they offered him like $70 million. I think about all of his guys, they were all like veterans and seniors at that point. What was the the, the tight end that was really good? You had Brees Hall. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they had like four or five NFL guys on that team alone, which is very rare Here it is. for our State. According to CBS Sports, Matt Campbell turned down eight years, $68.5 million to coach the Detroit Lions. Do you Lions. think his wife just walks by him every now and then? <laughs> <laughs> just gives him a look. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they have, They're talking about money or finance, and she just brings it up. She's like, remember you turned down that Detroit Lions job? We could have been, you could have been fired already, and we still would be sitting pretty. That's the thing. Like, you got to take that job because even if you don't succeed, who gives a damn at that point? You still got to get sixty seven million dollars. That contract would have exceeded the seven year, sixty two and a half million dollar deal the Carolina Panthers gave to Matt Rule. That's what I'm saying. To leave Baylor. Dude, take that deal, brother. And if it fails, who cares? Go Look buy an island. Is. Look where yeah, Matt Rule exactly. is now. You fell forward, man. Come on. I can't. Yeah, I'm a Matt Campbell fan. That was a dang coaching mistake by him. Big time. Big time. Well, think about it. Matt, Matt Rule now Cole. back in Nebraska. It doesn't. If you if it doesn't work with the Detroit Lions, you would just be the latest coach who didn't succeed with the Detroit Lions. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. You could have failed. Nobody's us. gonna blame you for that. And they'll, yes. they'll be like, oh man, we feel sorry for you. Come on back. Well, and exactly, people now view college and NFL as two different sports. Yep. Almost, they're not even the same game because you got recruiting and different rules, NIL, transfer portal. So you can fail at the NFL and look like miserable. Just look like you don't know what the hell you're doing, like an imbecile. And then go right back to college. Everybody says he knows the college game, though. No, I've said it before. In the NFL, the players are the stars. In college football, the coaches are the stars. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, great way to put well, that. Well, and I remember at the time, Matt Campbell said he likes the culture he's built. He, his family loves it, names. He, this is where he wants to be. Oh. And maybe he wasn't, he's not built for that. But in the end, now he's got a gambling scandal. His mm. team's going to be terrible this year. He is off the uh, his draft. His stock is just dropping. Well, and I started the conversation with saying I haven't been reading the Des Moines Register anytime recently, but shouldn't there be a national conversation with Matt Campbell? What the heck's going on, man? I mean, this is a problem. Like, is were a you problem. not telling your kids, your players, were not setting the rules and the boundaries of gambling? You know, every coach in America is fearful of this. That that you know, these are. I mean, Ty's a degenerate gambler. I mean, that that age has <laughs> grown up gambling. They have though, fantasy, yeah. you know, daily fantasy. Yeah, I mean, you got to shut that down. You got to yeah. make sure your locker room knows. How mm-hmm. and obviously now Iowa State can become the example for every other coach in America to say, look, look, guys, uh, even if these are small bets, doesn't matter. Just don't do it. Don't Just do avoid it. it at all costs. Period. Because we don't have to want to work through the semantics of did you bet here and what you bet on and how much money you bet. Doesn't no, matter. no, don't bet. Don't bet. Don't bet at all. And but I think you're right though about Ty's generation. It's just betting is now just more mainstream. Oh, yeah. And it's, it doesn't have the stigma that it once had. That it was negative and it was associated with, you know, organized crime and stuff like that. Bookies, now it's more mainstream. Yeah, it's all mafia-driven. Yeah, exactly, right? It had a really bad reputation. Now it doesn't have now, that reputation anymore. Now, now the, it's mainstream. Uh, the commentators will talk about the lines at the end of the game. They'll be like, oh, well, this drive does matter if you have a little money. On Al the Michaels, yeah. Yeah. he's always got oh. the line in mind. Al Michaels yeah. on Thursday Night Football this year. But uh, yeah, so, so right. That's a, that's on the, that's on that administration. 
administration, you that need to be part of your the, the meetings, your Daily. team meetings, all the things you address the team about. You should be throwing that in there too. Guys, don't do it. If you got a gambling app on your phone as commitment to the team, delete it. Can you delete the gambling app from your phone right now for well, us? Well, <laughs> and remember, in the states in which the gambling is legal, they've got gambling commissions, right? So the commissions are the ones that are – remember the situation with the Alabama baseball coach? Oh, they tracked them, yeah. That was the Ohio Gaming Commission that uncovered that said, wait a second. No one bets on college baseball, and someone just made a really big bet on college was baseball. It a five figure bet. Yeah, it was like five hundred G's. It, it was six figures. It was crazy. And it was like in Cincinnati. <laughs> they were you know, doing it. All, it was at the Cincinnati baseball game, I believe, like where they have you know a betting house. And you know, the, immediately the gaming commission caught it. Said, yep. "Wait a second. Yep. No one. No one. A. No one is betting on college baseball. B." Not five hundred thousand dollars. How many bets around the country are five hundred thousand dollars bets? They probably can track those pretty easy. <laughs> well, then, and then they shut down the ability to bet on Alabama for the whole weekend, and that then they went to the investigation and had phone records. And Alabama stuff. almost won that game too. They did. Well, remember that was uh, you know, Alabama was the top fifteen team last it's year. LSU and Alabama, but they were right. playing LSU, and LSU went on to win the national championship. And LSU and Alabama's Friday night starter, who's their best pitcher, was scratched, and the coach knew it. wasn't going to pitch. <laughs> And so the the bet the bet went in. Hey, we're not beating LSU without this guy. We're playing. We're facing Paul Skeens. Here. Yeah, the, the best <laughs> baseball team in the country yeah. without our best pitcher. Our aces yeah. near. I know this, and somehow his buddy all of a sudden in Cincinnati knew it, and there went the bet. So wow. point of that is for for coaches, man, you got the, the gaming commissions are keeping an eye on this stuff big time. It's regulated mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a heavy way. So yeah, this is. I mean, it could happen to any team. We're seeing it all over the NFL too. Yeah, because the NFL's got contracts with all these different entities now, these betting uh, companies, and they have their own special investigative units that are devoted to players who are also gambling and using these applications. Yeah, So they're going to find you. Very common. I know when I was growing up, it was, you know— the eighties into the nineties, it was. I don't say gambling was seedy, but you knew it was. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was considered shady. Yeah. Yep. Got to have a bookmaker. Mm-hmm. Whole Pete Rose scandal was was the the, the talk of everything. And the NFL had a couple of gambling scandals. Yeah. That was eight. Boston College yeah. had mm-hmm. theirs with the mafia. Yep. Uh, and that whole thing. Gosh, the Goodfellas <laughs> crew. My, my grandpa got kicked out of. He had a bowling scholarship, and he got kicked out of Oklahoma State for it. <gasps> really? Really? For betting on himself. Yeah. Wow. See ya. That is wild, man. That's Your crazy. Your grandfather had a bowling scholarship. Yep. And then he ended up being a bookie after that. <laughs> of I guess he, did. he didn't learn his lesson. Of course lesson. he did. Uh, well, at least he comes honestly with you, Ty. That's fantastic. I would always say if if you go to business school, Ty, you, it's better be the bookie than the gambler. Just Amen to so that. You, <laughs> you want to be the house, man. Yes, yeah. you, if you can. Be the bookie, not the gambler. But uh, you know, Ty's grandpa had that figured out. Oh, yeah, I've got buddies who told stories of being, uh, what would you say, the in the fraternities, there were Fijis at Texas, and they had, there was a huge gambling scandal. Like, one of their buddies went to jail. Like, he's on the news with the hood over his head, handcuffs on. Uh, yeah, uh, he was running a book. It was oh, not good. It's a pyramid scheme throughout America. Colleges, I'm telling you. What, like some of the frats and stuff? Well, it's like, hey, do you want to be a bookie? And then you get your buddies, but there's that guy above. Oh, uh, you're, you're just recruiting other people. You're just recruiting others. Yes, it's wow. a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Man. Well, well yeah, they tell the stories all the time that they would uh, – they start, turn on the news, and there's there's their guy. Oh, man, he's going to jail. Yeah, you don't want to mess he's with that. He's in the that. cuffs. And I'm on that book. <laughs> oh, no. Might be coming after me. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think that guy's gone on to do pretty well, too, actually. Uh, all right, we'll come back. But uh, good stuff right there, talking college football. Number eight in our countdown is USC, the quarterback conference, Big 12, Iowa State. Coming back, we'll go behind the burn orange curtain. I want to hear Steve Sarkeesian again before we get out of here, because oh, yeah. one of the areas of the, of the teams, Rod, we haven't talked a lot about, special teams. Mm-hmm. 
We've been deep dive on offense, deep dive on defense. It's had a great camp, but special teams is that third phase. Uh, it keeps coaches up nights when you play in early season games with your specialty teams. We'll hear oh, yeah. from Sark on that. Plus, Rod, we'll have some other deep dive conversations surrounding the Longhorns. One more trip behind that BOC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Ten days to the start of the Longhorn football season, and that's uh, Vince Young's number, B.Y. Uh, our man CB also said, don't forget Peter Gardere, Peter the Great, 4-0. Peter Gets the Great, long. damn right. I Peter. want to say Peter the Great is from H-Town, too. I want to say Peter, Peter the Great Gar- went to, like, like, I want to say he went to Robert E. Lee High School. Which doesn't even have a football team anymore. Am I right about this or wrong about this? Peter the Great went to Houston what? from Houston, Texas. Yep. I want to say he went to Robert E. Lee, which no longer has a football team anymore, which means Peter the Great might be one of the greatest players to ever come out of Robert E. Lee. Is it still Robert E. Lee? I Actually, I think it's not. No, it's <laughs> You're right. Definitely not Robert E. Lee. Made it that long? <laughs> no, it's not no. called the Margaret Long yeah, yeah. Wisdom <laughs> High School. Yeah, yeah. And they used to be, I mean, they were just, uh, they were terrible as a program. I mean, we, they were the, kind of the whipping boys of our uh, district at the time. Uh, but I do, I remember Peter Great went there. I always had you know, fans of Robert E. Lee tell me of that school. Said, hey, man, they, they championed Peter the Great. That's right. That's now Margaret. Margaret. What did I say? It was called the Margaret Long mm, Wisdom, Wisdom High, High School. School. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Margaret Long Wisdom High School. Yeah. <laughs> that's not far from. A, that's not right near Bel Air. It is. It's right. Yes, exactly right. Which is also, if you go down <laughs> south of there, that's where Vy went to school at Madison mm, High School. I'm Clark, baby. Yeah, man. Now mm-hmm. Madison High. Rod's a Lamar guy. Yeah, we uh, Madison was in our district, 17-5A at the time, and we'd play Madison every year. Coach Seals, who was the head coach of Madison at the time, and Coach Nolan, who still holds the record for the longest-tenured head coach in HISD history, was my coach, and they were basically like two, the two best coaches in HISD at the time um, going at it. Do you uh... – Fun. Is, but we, it, we, is the high school, I've never been to Lamar High School, is it inside the loop? Oh my God, it's in the richest part, it's in River Oaks. It's, in River it's the Oaks. richest part of Houston, other than Bear Lair claims that, but River is right down the street from the Galleria, and right off, again, how'd you off end up West Lamar? You got recruited? Uh, essentially, yeah, <laughs> basically, they were recruited. They, you know, they have, like, yeah, basically, they're recruited. They call it magnet schools in Houston, as you know, mm-hmm. and every school has a magnet, like a, it's a specialized uh, course of study, specialized study uh, subject, whatever it may be. So maybe business, I think Lamar was a business magnet, and I think when I went to Persian, it was a theater and arts magnet. So you could apply, and then you'd have to, like, interview, or you'd have to audition, and you can get in. So I guess for the business magnet, I came up with a business plan, nice. I believe it was. And I had to, you know, show them like I don't know. If you went to your to the high stuff, school yeah. that you were district to, where would you have gone? Sterling High School. Sterling High. Yeah, in the hood. Mama did not <laughs> want that. Mama was like, "No, you are not going to the school in your neighborhood." So mom made sure to bus me. I don't know, was it thirty, forty-five minutes away from my house to make sure you go to Houston, well, Lamar, never baby. Been to, down to Lamar, been to, to the oh. River Oaks. Man. Oh, all my, all my, t- all my. I, I, I had classmates with it's like Westlake with Hummers and BMWs and Mercedes Benzes. Porsches and Jaguars. These are my that's all, classmates. That's old school oil money. Like <laughs> yeah, a, lot, a lot of the money here in Austin in the seven eight seven four six where Ty is from. It's new money. It's tech money. Yeah, a lot of tech money. Yeah, that's, there's some old school Texas money, but Houston is all oil and gas. It's exactly. So I was. That, I had my mind blown as a young kid. Like, whoa, 
Yeah, so yeah, I got a chance. I hung out with a lot of uh, rich friends, and then I found out about the stuff that really rich people do, which is just kind of crazy and wild. Like first thing I think, I, I was invited over to a, a Easter egg hunt. And they found it, they put money in the Easter yeah. eggs. I didn't even know that was a thing. Find a golden egg? Yes. I was like, whoa. It was, it was like $5 and $10. And $10 and I was like, oh, this is cash in these eggs? I lost my damn mind. Usually at, at my Easter, there'd be one $100 bill egg. Yeah. And kids would be elbowing. Exactly. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, I got to hang out with rich people to find out. Hey, I, I, moved, I was a South Austin kid from, from the majority yes, you of were. my life. You were a so. bubba. Yeah. Someone says. Yeah, no, yo, you got some good food. It says Madison richer than Woodlands. Well, no, Madison was no, not no, Vince no. Young went, was not rich. Yeah, yeah, Vince, Vince Young went to school in Vince. Hiram Clark. That's an HISD, but it's a different part That's of Houston. It's down by Houston. the Astrodome and, and the NRG Stadium. Yes, it's, it's more south, like in south part of Houston. But yeah, the richest part, the richest schools in HISD are probably Houston Lamar and Bel Air. Yes, Those and are they're probably all right there inside they're the They're all right there, yeah. Um, I mean, the Bel Air's right there by where uh, Joel Osteen's church yes, is. Yes, the old summit. <laughs> yeah, the old summit. Oh, my wife, yeah. she was upset. We went to Houston's past weekend for the uh, baby shower, and we're driving. There's a ton of traffic on Sunday. She's like, what is all this traffic? What's going on? I'm like, babe, it's a super church. She mega church. I was like, it's a mega church, baby. I was like, oh, they, they got police like stopping traffic, shutting down uh, roadways, and shutting down different roads just to get the people in and out of that super mega church for Joel Osteen. Hey, watch The Righteous Gym. Sounds yes, it, of, it's, it's, it's just like that. I think it's based off the old scene. Funny show. Oh, is it? Danny McBride's hilarious. Does Osteen try to claim the Longhorns? Is it? Is, is that something? Didn't he have a family uh, his, member? His daughter. His daughter goes to UT. I moved her into her apartment a few years ago. Get out of here. Met missiles. Dude. She had that pretty Ooh. smile. She was. She was. Her, her dad's got the smile what, and the hair. She was, good, she was good looking. What kept you from pursuing? I figured out afterwards. Oh. <laughs> He didn't know at the time. I figured out. Uh, okay, there you go. I was like, what kept you and from? I, and I didn't want to be the guy that was like knocking and be like, hey, I, I know you live here. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> you try to try to bump into her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, incidentally, I didn't yeah, know you right. were going to be here. Yeah, well, I did happen. do that with Don Henley's daughter where I figured out who she was. Smart and I was, move. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm Ty. What's, huh? your, what's your name? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Henley. I love that. There you go, Ty. So, I like it. Bel Air's where Knobloch ruled. For, yeah, the Knobloch's. Chuck Knobloch, that was, he was a Bel Air guy. Oh, he's a Bel Air guy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Bel Air. Good, great baseball, even basketball. They were not a good football program. We would well, dominate. I mean, them in so football. Lamar, if you want to, if you're a Dallas area person, just compare it to Highland Park, like Highland Park. Yes, that area. it's just a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's just uh, a lot of money. Where, where, where Jerry Jones' grandkids go? Highland yeah, Park. There you, you go. Know yes, saying? that's a great point. Very, <laughs> very wealthy mm-hmm. in North Dallas. That's River Oaks in Houston. That's uh, uh, a lot of money, a lot of cash. It's like Westlake here. No that's exactly what it is. Go check out the parking lot. I did see. Remember recently, this started school and they did it again they, for the booster club. They auction off. At Westlake, a parking pass, and I think it went for like thirty grand. I saw this on on Twitter. Thirty grand. Yeah, that that made, so <laughs> this is only one spot to do multiple spots yeah, for this. It's, it's the one right outside the stadium. It's a big baller spot. Big baller spot. That is. <laughs> I know of it. You know? Uh, do you know? Do you know anybody who's actually bought the spot before? Yes, I know the girl wow. in my grade that had that spot, and she. She is very, very wealthy. Bowler. Not big bowler spot. I like that. Somebody said, ever see Kincaid High School in Houston? There was the first time I've ever seen a legit Bentley and a Rolls Royce in a high school park. Yeah. No, this hey, was some I, serious cash. I man. drove a Honda CRV with two 12s in the back. And that's Thumping. <laughs> <laughs> I drove a Chevy Cavalier. It was a red Chevy Cavalier. I think it was like 19. 19- 80-something? No, it was an old Chevy Cavalier. It was red. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, I called her. You could always hear me coming, though. That was Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I remember that first car. Did you name it? What's your name of the first H- car? Honda Ty? Prelude. Nails. Nails? <laughs> uh, the Cervix. No, what? The CR- CRX. The oh! Cervix. CBR- CV? 
And there was, I, I don't know. It was a, it was a play a, on me having fun in my car. You had that a car great. called the Service. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's too much. That is too much. And just like you just said, Ty had a. Is your oh, grandfather man. still with us? He passed away oh, last year. I'm sorry, sorry to that. hear that. No, man. Right. Went, went on a bowling scholarship to Oklahoma State, got kicked out for gambling. That's like, <laughs> uh, that's Ty. And then <laughs> became a bookmaker. I love this. Uh, all right, let's go behind the burn orange curtain one more time here on this uh, busy Wednesday. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, now one of the most overlooked phases of the game, not one of, the most overlooked phase of the game in football is special teams. Um, they got offense, they got defense. I believe that Jeff Banks calls special teams we-fence. There's offense, defense. He calls special teams we-fence. I kind of like that description because it's a all-hands-on-deck kind of thing. Um, and uh, Sark was asked about special teams, which like I said oftentimes is way too overlooked. Not for Texas, though. They hired Joe D. Camillus to be a special assistant to the head coach, 20-year special teams coach and veteran in the NFL. We know Jeff Banks is one of the best special teams coaches in the country. As a matter of fact, the most consistent phase of the game for Texas since uh, Sark got here actually has been special teams, not offense and not defense it's special teams so here's Sark talking about the depth on special teams that's really going to help them win some games this year you know it does it does and I think that's you know where coach Banks does a great job of you know a lot of times early on in camp as we go we're learning the players and you know you you, you know, Jalen Ford we know is, is a really good guy on kickoff coverage like Demo and those guys were a year ago but sometimes you put a guy behind him that man this guy's gonna be a player so he can learn from that, and all of a sudden Jalen can come off, and that next guy stepping in can be that type of player. And, and so you, sometimes you try to back those guys up, your frontline starter guys, with guys that you know are going are gonna to grow into that role. All right, there you go. And I, you know what? I think because Sark has turned over the roster so well in the last two years, and most analysts around the country are stating that Texas is one of the top five most talented football programs in the country. Just looking at blue chip ratio and looking at the depth overall across the board. Even even Urban Meyer recently said Texas has five stars at every position. And he said he actually stated that last year if Quinn didn't get hurt, he, they beat Bama. Yeah. I don't think anybody uh, really disagrees with that. Some people may. But anyway, my point is this is a really talented group, and that is reflected on special teams. You talk about the depth you have on offense and defense, but that all of that depth for both phases, offense, defense, all of that is reflected in special teams. And we know that Sark and Jeff Banks, they do not mind playing starters on special teams. As a matter of fact, they prioritize it and see it as a badge of honor for a lot of their players. So this year, since Special teams has been consistently the best phase of the game for Texas in year one and year two under Sark. I expect them to actually take another step. I think Texas could end up having, I know it's crazy to say this, top five best special teams units in the country. They have that kind of potential. If you're looking at the depth on the team, looking at Jeff Banks' coaching acumen, one of the best special team coaches in the country, you bring in Joe DiCamillis, one of the best special teams minds in all of football at any level, and you think to yourself, well, what's holding this team back, or this special teams unit back from taking another step? Yeah, I think you're right. And that's like all these things are why the talking season is very optimistic about Texas. We, they should be very explosive on offense. The, uh, they should be, you know, you're talking about a defense that is poised to potentially go from good to great. Mm-hmm. If Alfred Collins continues to, to emerge and the additions of some young players to help the veterans. And then, you know, if the special teams, as you said, Joe D. Camillus, I mean, Jeff Banks is already one of the premier special teams coaches in the country. Yep. He, he was at Alabama, he is here, he was at AM before that. 
So this is not this is a large sample size, and you bring in a guy of a thirty year veteran of. I just won a Super Bowl a couple years ago with the Rams as a special teams advisor. Exactly. And the other thing Sark was talking about when you recruit as well as they do, some of your young guys can make a make. You know, they can. I remember when Michael Griffin showed up from Bowie High School, and you first started to notice Michael Griffin on special teams. Yeah. Look at that guy covering kicks. That guy blocking punts. Yeah. Well, Corey Redding first. Uh, <laughs> they one of the first jobs he had as the number one defensive player in the country was running down on special teams, and he looked freakish to see a two hundred and fifty. Pound, sixty pound human being at that size, six five, running down there. But that's uh, you're right. That's where he got his start. It's where I got my start. Yeah, that's where you show. <laughs> and as he said, you know, we can use some of our frontline guys at the beginning, but those guys can learn from, mm-hmm. and, and they're so talented. I mean, guy like Anthony Hill, we're I mean, running down covering. Oh, man. You know, these, these guys are going to make. And so if you can change games, um, and that's really what what what. Well, I mean, I, I, Texas is not to Alabama, but I always say this about Nick Saban teams. The reason that they're so good is that they're well coached, but they're they can beat you in all three phases. Yes, they can. They can beat you with their offense. They can beat you with their defense for four quarters, and then they can beat you with their special teams. And uh, how many times have you seen a Nick Saban team? They're up, you know, to ten point game, and all of a sudden they block a kick and return it for a touchdown, and then or, or defense. I mean, all of a sudden the game's out of reach. Blows the game wide open. Yes. Yep. To go back to the conversation we had with Coach Dodge last week in the goal board. Yes. There was about ten special teams goals. For every you know, kick return, kick off, oh yeah, punt return, punt, no doubt. and and that having those goals helps you buy in. I'm sure Texas does something like that too, but just you know, having the players not be like, oh no, playing yeah. special teams, exactly. They emphasize it. It's huge. They yeah. get hyped for Loving it. Love it. it. Yeah, I remember when Mac Brown went through his special teams enlightenment. You remember it too, E, and you probably been heard about it, Ty, when North Carolina State. Oh, the three Texas block had punts. three exactly. Texas had three. I did the post game show. That was fun. Oh. <laughs> that was it. It was. I had never seen Max so humiliated. He he. You can tell he was ashamed because uh, you know it's fine. You know, losing football they games happens, won, and they would have won the game without the three block punts. And they would have won the game without exactly. That's why you lost the game. Yeah. Was three block punts, and it's pretty much the fact that you didn't spend enough time emphasizing prioritizing special teams. After that, ladies and gentlemen. Mac Brown dedicated. He probably could tell you a fact, but I'm gonna say at least two more periods, a, a practice, just the special teams alone. Yeah, that's it. And we became actually one of the best special teams uh, programs in the country yeah. over the next ten years under Mac Brown. And honestly, I think it all goes back to that humiliation he suffered. Was that that was at home too? Yeah, it was North to, Carolina State. To North Carolina State at home, three that block was punts early on. That was his first or second year. Oh, it was embarrassing. It, really it was, was exactly. Only, that was the most embarrassing thing I've seen since until Charlie Strong's team had three extra points blocked at oh, Stillwater. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Was that Oklahoma State? What was that? That was in Stillwater. It was Oklahoma State, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was brutal. I don't know. That Kansas loss still. I, I, well, I mean. You're right. That's, you shouldn't lose to Kansas. You shouldn't but, lose to Kansas. But you, you mean. But him like crying. Three like, times. Something's supposed to be automatic. They call it automatic. They call it the point after automatic. It's one automatic. thing if your guy Brett Maher shanks the extra point, <laughs> uh, like the, the Cowboys had to deal with. But the, the guy on the over center would come block. Block, block. Yeah. Hey, can y'all fix that before the next <laughs> right. one? Can we make it a little Charlie? <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, uh, uh, and, and, and I would also say on the on the uh, the front, you know, you have you know, one of the significant transfer portal transfers was Ryan Sanborn. Yep. Who came in from Stanford, where not only was a four year starter, he was an All Pac twelve player as a kicker. He can also punt. He was honorable mention All Pac twelve and a Ray Guy Award watchlist member last year with Stanford. 
This guy, you mm. know, 6'3", 211, he's a yep. good athlete. Ryan Sanborn is going to be handling a lot of the kicking duties at Texas, and I think you feel, if you're Jeff Banks, you feel really good about that. Uh, he, You know, this could be shades of Cameron Dicker, where he handles a lot of the kicking duties. Yeah. Uh, they still have, um, gosh, Burt Auburn is still there. He was good. The red-haired Bert kid. Auburn? Who almost yeah, he's, who get, put you ahead and almost beat Alabama. Auburn almost beat Alabama. And then, <laughs> but then you couldn't stop Bryce Young. That would have been a hell of a headline. Yeah. <laughs> Auburn beats Alabama is at San, Texas. Is Sanborn from Australia? That sounds like an Australian. No. Name. I don't think he yeah. is. He's so, not from that that, you know, that kick, that, that, uh, that kick, kick academy. academy or whatever. No, yeah, he's they, not one of those. <laughs> he is not one of those. He's from San Diego, California. Hey, yeah, I was like, go get some guys from that kick academy. They, they got a pretty good hit rate. Yeah, this guy's been pretty good. One long ball Graduate from transfer there? punter. Played yeah. 42 games in four seasons at Stanford. We'll be back. Uh, we'll hit some what's popping. What are we watching today and tonight around the sports world? Lee, uh, Ty will have his pick of the night after his parlay got punked last night. That's coming next. What's popping? Brand new whip just hopped in. What is popping? Our final segment to wrap up our fabulous fifth hour and five hours each morning, five days a week here on Ian Rod B. Also, Ty chiming in, doing a great job through the glass, and we appreciate you being with us, however you're finding us. Jim Rome Show is coming up. Tomorrow will be a Thursday edition. We'll be at number seven in our countdown, so that's certainly popping. Approaching the top five uh, of our college football countdown. Oh, yeah. We also have uh, – this is not popping, Rod, from uh, – uh, out in Arizona, a 50-year-old golf course worker hospitalized after being stung by nearly 2,000 bees. Oh. Ooh. And I'm, I'm assuming they... That sounds like death. I know. He's Are alive, they in though. critical condition? Like what, do He's you alive. Update here? Okay. Alive. That's good. That's like, I mean... Then now, do, do we know... You probably want to be dead. Now, I, I want more details. He wasn't, like, messing with a beehive or nothing, right? These bees kind of just came out of nowhere? He was Pebble, Bur- Pebble Brook Golf Course. Encountered a beehive. Oh, he encountered one. Uh-oh. Yeah, man. Man was he covered. He disturbed with, it. When, when a, uh, with the fire crew showed up, he was covered in bees. Oh, no. That means he couldn't even get run away. Like, he was, like, basically swarmed him and overwhelmed him before he, he could run we away? We thought it was gla- grass clippings on his face. So <gasps> we got closer, we realized they're actually bees. Is he, oh, how old is this guy? 50. Okay, so he couldn't run. He probably just slapped was just... him with the Benadryl and said, get on your way. Oh <laughs> no, he's going to need more than that. Right, now I'm trying to think. The, the lady with the snake on her arm and the hawk. Uh, I'd, I'd, choose that. That. I'd choose that over the bees. Yeah. Yeah. The lady with the hawk mangler in her arm. Yeah, i choose that because you can have like some reaction, right, to I give mean, somebody that many bees. 2,000 bee stings, you're going to have you can some go into shock de- or something. De- deformity, too. Like, oh, they, that's yeah. true, like, too. You could die. Scarred. You yeah, could die you can go into some kind of shock or something. So, no, I'll choose getting attacked by a snake that fell from the talons of a hawk, and the hawk comes down to, <laughs> to grab the snake and yet mangles my forearm in the process. I'm in. Not the bees. <laughs> Not the bees, but hey, we, we second show in a row. We're mentioning bees. Don't kill the bees, though. Don't disturb them. Don't kill them because we need them. Uh, right, Ty, you, you drink coffee, right? Sometimes. Rod does not. No, anti coffee. Coffee Made is launching uh, something called peanut butter and jelly flavored coffee creamer. Why? Okay. Is this necessary? Popping? Popping? I could pop on that. <laughs> well, but this, this is why that's not necessary because peanut butter and jelly is a kid thing, right? Kids like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Most adults don't eat that. You move on to something else, and that's a flavor that kids like. But kids don't drink coffee, so now you're mixing a kids flavored thing with an adult drink. Beverage, beverage. Pe- yeah. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are in the same realm as eggs for me because my dad, like I've said before, he made you eat them. Eat, eat a dozen eggs every morning before school, but I'd also oh. have to eat two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches right before I went to bed every night. So. And that's not fun. <laughs> that's not fun at all. No, you're right. That's and I oh, still so didn't gain anyway. It's a stigma yeah, food. 
a dozen eggs every morning. And that's a yeah. lot of eggs, dog. Doesn't, How'd you cook these eggs? Uh, just scramble. I had to cook them too. That's that's actually good. I'm glad you I cooked cook for my whole family every Sunday. That's amazing. There was like 15 people. In my you like to cook too, Ty. That's good. Well. Not for fifteen people. That's not fun. Twelve eggs. You uh, you had a grocery bill, but uh, especially <laughs> no, we had days. chickens in the back. Oh, okay. Chickens. Oh, so I'd, I'd go grab you got fresh, form fresh. Yeah. Oh, oh I bet good. they tasted delicious. Then I just after. I guess after, after eating, yeah, yeah, it's not the I'm same. Doing it, no. Can you tell? Can you tell the difference between a form fresh egg and like yes. a and yeah? Well, I'd, and a, a good example egg. of what happened if I didn't eat the eggs is I came home my first ever ACL fest I was supposed to go to, and my dad had left my plate from the morning that had some egg scraps on it and cut off my band and said you didn't finish your eggs. <laughs> so <laughs> left it. So still to this day, my friends like I'll, I'll like come out to the car like they're picking me up like do you finish your eggs? That is. You finish bad. your eggs? I'm a fan of your pops. I gotta tell you, he why hard, these man. stories? I like these stories, man. Hey, uh, what's popping for you tonight, Ryder? Today, what are you up to? Uh, oh, actually, I'm going home to watch some uh, Texas film. I got, I'm, I'm, di- I'm diving into uh, opponents now. We started looking at opponents of Texas, so I'm starting looking at Rice. Started looking at Bama. I'm gonna start doing some game planning. I'll come to you guys with some oh, nice man. nuggets later on Bernard's this week. Curtain, Rod yeah, Grant's will be great coming Indeed. up as usual. I'll be watching baseball this afternoon on the south side of Chicago, where the White Sox have just fired yesterday. They're their president and GM, I know in Chicago the White Sox fans have been clamoring for this. Ken Williams out. The GM, Rick Hahn, is out. Um, you know, Kenny Williams was there when they won the World Series way back in 2004, but uh, that team is really bad. They won the AL Central just two years ago. Astro fans will remember the series they had with the White Sox in the playoffs. Well, now they're 49-77. and 77. They're awful. And uh, they're going to play the Mariners awful. today. Mariners are hot. They won eight straight. And here's the deal. That AL West is ridiculous right now. The Astros play tonight. They're going to play the Red Sox with Jose Urquidy on the mound against Chris Sale. Look, if the Astros win tonight, they're going to be dead even with the Rangers in the American League West because the Rangers can't do anything about it tonight. They don't play. They don't play until tomorrow when they open a four-game series at first place Minnesota. So the Mariners and Astros, I mean, we could come in here tomorrow, Rod, if they were both to win and they're favored to do so with the Astros even and the, uh, the Mariners a half game back. Yeah, I, it, life comes at you fast, Rangers fans. <laughs> it seemed like just last week that we were talking about the Rangers playing really well, maintaining that lead, and well, now knew, they're at the lowest point of the season for them. You, you knew it was going to be the Astros to the finish line, but the Mariners have gone on this eight-game streak while the Rangers have lost six in a row, and all of a sudden here you are, three teams involved, and of those six wins or eight wins for the Mariners, three were against the Astros, so they clawed ahead of them too or called right up with them. And as we said, the Rangers, their last 10 games, seven against the Mariners head-to-head. Yeah, it's trouble. Or it's, or it's you take care of your own business. But they're not taking care of business right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> they are getting the business. You get to control <laughs> your fate. But again, Houston has an easier schedule the rest of the way and only play the Rangers three more times. Don't have the Mariners anymore. They're done with Seattle at this mm-hmm. point. Hey, Rod, awesome, as yeah. always. Had a good time, brother. Good, Enjoy it. Good, good laughs, good fun, good content. Uh, as always, from Rod Babers, our Shutdown Corner, five hours a day, five days a week. Ty was tremendous as well. Uh, appreciate everybody who weighed in on the Specs text line or on the uh, Twitter machine, however you do it. Make sure you uh, are part of the solution today, not the problem. And do something good for somebody else. That's what you should do each day. Do something good, Ty. What do you have for our gamblers out there, Ty? Well, here's my something good. Chicago White Sox over the Seattle Man- Mariners today. Get the little jolt of energy after the firings. I like it. Well, they fired the front office. Everybody likes that when that happens, so maybe they will jolt to They do have one of their best pitchers, the Mariners do on the mound. But uh, Ty says White Sox will grade him tomorrow. Join us at 6 a.m. here on the Horn. Jim Rome.